This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank not. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today on these Wednesdays. Sean Bolson joining us. He's headed for the uh, Twin Cities, do a little work, and then and then take off for a little fun, Sean. So uh, what's going on? You're headed down to Florida or something. I am. My sister, uh, Joy, who graduated from New London two years after me, she lives in Chicago and has for 20 years. And mm-hmm. her daughter plays Division One volleyball at Northern Alabama. Great. And uh, they have their conference tournament. And it's at Florida Gulf Coast. And that, uh, that uh, gym and campus is like seven miles from the place uh, that I have in Florida. And so yeah. my sister and I are going to meet down there and watch volleyball for the next three days and uh, enjoy some sun and fly home uh, Sunday morning. So looking forward to it. That's terrific. Well, what position does your niece play then? She's the outside hitter. So uh, she's a six-footer that can jump. Uh, two pretty good. Uh, that's a good combination for volleyball. Yes, yes, it generally is. Uh, height and jumping ability, and then timing is the third thing. Has she got that too? Well, I guess she's. I've been <laughs> watching. I mean, she uh, she switches between outside and right side depending on their team. I mean, women's college volleyball is so exciting to yeah, watch, fast. and I know we get to see the Minnesota and Nebraska and Wisconsin. But I was looking at her team, and they're they're. Middle blocker six four, Haley six foot, and there's nobody that's a hitter that's under six foot, which is uh, you know pretty impressive. Like I think they're six four, six two, six two, and yeah. so I'm really looking forward to watching it. And like I said, it just really worked out um, to be able to go down there. I, my sister is uh, much kinder than I am, and she's uh, <laughs> someone that is extremely fun to just hang out with and spend time with. So tomorrow they play at four, so we're going to get time during the day to hang out and. Be in the pool, walk it by the ocean, be in the sun. But, uh, yeah, head up to the campus and get to watch some volleyball. So I'm pretty excited. I I didn't hear you say you're taking your golf clubs along. I'm not taking my golf clubs along because they could play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if they lose, as soon as they lose, they're done. Uh, I plan on just hanging out with my sister and and enjoying the sun, being relaxed, and fly home super early Sunday morning. I should be on my couch uh, well, that's right. The Vikes don't play till uh, at night. Anyway, that's right. But I'll be, I'll, I should be home by eleven or twelve uh, Sunday, so it'll be a nice, quick trip. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Vikings riding a six-game win streak now, and or a five-game win streak, and they're uh, six and four on the season. How far they've come since beginning the season at zero and three. I remember one guy on this podcast. His initials are GS. Was uh, after they won, after losing the first three, he said, "I don't know how to feel about this." Because I'd prefer they tank. And and he asked me how I felt. And I said, no, I want to watch winning football. I don't want to go after some uh, pie in the sky that we might potentially find some rookie quarterback high in the draft next year that might suddenly be the guy. I want to watch winning football. And they have taken off and are playing winning football. But the Josh Dobbs story just keeps getting better. It does. It does. I really you know, have enjoyed watching him. He's uh, easy, easy to cheer for. Uh, the kind of guy that you uh, you know you really want to see succeed. Um, you know, up until last game, you know he had fumbled every start that he had had this year, hmm. and uh, so ball security, ball you know control, taking care of the ball, not throwing interceptions, not fumbling. That's kind of the key. We know he has great attributes in his legs. He's been a pretty accurate passer. Yep. 
And, you know, the other thing that's helped, you know, Reisner has been huge coming in, filling a void. Derisaw back. Uh, offensive line is big. This week, what concerns me, Hicks has been so good on defense. Yeah. Placed in the IR, going to be out for four weeks. You know, we got a rookie that's got the green dot now, but we have activated, and I think we'll probably bring up uh, Anthony Barr, who's the name of the pass for us. You know, he, yep. he's, he's the natural person to take that spot. Uh, I know we did sign Gaskins. Running back's been a little bit thin. Chandler showed some glimpses last week. Uh, Madison hasn't been outstanding, but you know what? Hawkinson has been great. I think Osborne comes back. we got J.J. coming. So definitely some tools heading in the right direction. Um, it would be nice to just see this rally, you know, sustain the winning streak. Um, as you and I have talked, all the games look very winnable up until Cincinnati. I've watched them the last couple of weeks. They're no longer unbeatable either. Right. So Vikings playing at this level is uh, really exciting to watch, and it's just been extremely entertaining, and, and I'm really excited about it. You look at their schedule and you say the Lions are the toughest team maybe that they'll face the rest of the season. And they get them twice, and they're two games back of them in the standings, but they have two games against them. Shucks, the NFC North Division is still within the Vikings' grasp. It is. And the Lions, you know, they won out in California week, and, you know, they gave up some points. You know, their defense isn't great. Uh, You know, they can put up some points that Amon Ross St. Brown is uh, really good Running back, they're you know they're they're extremely solid with that rookie letting us and out for him. And you know they have a coach that really really uh, is, is entertaining. Campbell has done a nice job with that franchise. He has a very competitive team that is going to make the playoffs. But you're right, the NFC North is not out of reach for the Vikes because you look at the Vikes and, and the Lions and you, they can win each week. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of. What's going to happen? Who have they played? You know, who do we have left? And then the, really the two head-to-head games of them is going to decide that. But um, I don't think, you know, six weeks ago we all would have been thinking this was the conversation surrounding the Vikings and the NFC North, and it is. So it has been uh, an exciting ride for us, and we just want it to continue. Yeah, you know, for Dobbs, uh, when he came out of uh, Tennessee, uh, where he played a lot of games, uh, Tennessee, but he graduated in four years, as we know, with that aerospace engineering degree, uh, the one of the things about him was he, he doesn't have a rocket launcher for an arm, but certainly we can see he has a lot of accuracy. You know, we know that there are quarterbacks who are very successful that don't have an elite arm. My favorite quarterback of all time, Joe Montana. He didn't have a cannon for an arm. He just threw a timing and touch, and he and he read defenses so quickly. And hopefully, that's the kind of quarterback uh, that Dobbs is. He's the guy going forward for the rest of the season, and if he can keep playing like he did this last week, and that's certainly a question mark, uh, you know, he has to be in a conversation right along with Kirk Cousins about who might be the Vikings quarterback next year. Yeah, and, you know, his arm has been accurate. My mm-hmm. favorite current player in the league is Josh Allen. So mm-hmm. You want to talk about what a big arm gets you. Yep. He's going through some stuff right now. He's got one of the biggest arms in the league, can yep. rip it from anywhere, make every throw. He's turning the ball over at an alarming rate, and they just got yeah. beat at home by the, the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look at, do you need the absolute cannon of all cannons for an arm? Mm. No, it doesn't, no, it doesn't hurt. It's nice. Those guys have a little different mentality, you yeah. know, like Brett Favre had, where they try to fit it into two-inch windows, you know, when the ball's eight inches wide. It just doesn't work all the time. Yep. And Dobbs being, you know, ball security, protecting the ball uh, is, is big, and then... 
being able to use his legs really makes that secondary coverage break down. So he might not have to fit it into as small of a window as a Cousins that has to just sit back there, you know, with no threat of running. Um, but, you know, when Dobbs is always shaking around and, and moving, you know, it, it makes the defensive secondaries break down, give him a little more uh, room, and he doesn't need that absolute cannon that fitted in those spots. It's a lot more for the defense to account for when they have to play against 11 guys and not 10 uh, most of the time because the quarterback could take off and run with the ball. There was some video uh, this week where uh, Kevin O'Connell, I don't know if they had him mic'd up or something, and they, you, you got to listen into his conversation with Dobbs. And right at the end, he says, and this was the one Dobbs is rushing touchdown this last week, he says, you know, uh, saying all that, if you see you can get it in yourself, just go ahead and do that. And then that's yeah. exactly what, what Dobbs did. And it's that conversation that he's able to speak to his quarterback that has made such a difference. You know, sometimes it just takes coach and quarterback coming together, uh, and they just happen to be a perfect fit. Like, I, I compared it a little bit to, now, I mean, Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying he's going to have Kurt Warner's career. But Kurt Warner bounced around. He was in the Arena League. He hadn't gotten a chance. He was 27 years old before he got his first chance to really play uh, with the St. Louis Rams, I believe it was then, the greatest show on turf, under Dick Vermeil. It just took the right coach to find Kurt Warner and give him the chance. Maybe that's the case with O'Connell and Dobbs here. Yeah, and O'Connell has sure done a nice job. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, an offensive mind to be able to uh, withstand what we withstood. you got Cousins playing at a crazy elite level, goes down, you spend the next week getting Jaron Hall ready, first drive knocked out, having Dobbs come in and being able to just, you know, use the language to, you know, like we talked about, there's a lot of schemes that are the same, but the verbiage is yep. what's so different and being able to connect on the fly and communicate to put the guy in a, in a position to succeed is just really impressive. And, yeah, Dobbs' legs are great. I The play that I liked last week was, when uh, it broke down and he scrambled left, and then when he scored, that linebacker had the angle on him. Yes. He was running towards the linebacker. He makes that subtle cut a little bit farther left, you know, towards the goal line, and his speed just took over, and he went in untouched. Yeah. It looked like he was going to be stopped. So, yeah, his legs have been really fun to watch. The danger of that is we all know the history of running quarterbacks in the NFL if they're not smart, you know, injury-prone. But Dobbs, seemed, he's not taking huge shots. He's uh, running when he should. He's holding the pocket and keeping his eyes downfield and passing when he can. But, uh, you know, he's just playing a really smart game right now, and I just want to see him continue to grow in the offense because let's not forget he's been here like, you know, a week and a half. I know, right? It has been pretty amazing what he's been able to do. I, I, I sure would like to get Justin Jefferson back. It feels like they're stealing every time they win without Jefferson on the field. It's incredible to me that they're 5-0 and uh, without Justin Jefferson playing uh, and didn't have K.J. Osborne either this last week, which, which makes it even more amazing uh, Dobbs doing what he's doing with a, with a depleted roster. So I hope Jefferson can get back pretty soon. Uh, but Denver this week, you know, they're pretty good. So I was going to ask you this. You've spent time in the mountainous areas. Uh, you go yep. hunting out in the mountain west. Uh, there is a little something to that altitude and, and being able to catch your breath in it. There definitely is. And, you know, I, they can say everybody's affected the same, but, you know, Denver playing out there, they're a little bit more used to it. Yep. So, um, you know, definitely going to have to uh, account for that. Uh, these guys are in incredible physical shape, but it still doesn't, you know, substitute the difference when you just don't 
feel like you can get enough oxygen. So um, I, I do look forward to it. It's a fun place. I've driven by the, on the interstate. I've never been in that stadium, but you can kind of see in one of the corners, and it looks like just a phenomenal atmosphere. Denver fans are super loyal. And let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago, Denver and Chicago played. Neither of them had a win, and it was kind of the toilet bowl, and yeah. Denver has really turned it around since then. And Russell Wilson's looking a little bit more like the old Russell Wilson, you know, when we watched him uh, against the, the Bills. And so, you know, it's going to be a dangerous team. They're two-and-a-half points favorite. The, yeah. the Broncos are right now, and the Vikes are right in a five-game winning streak. So nobody, Vegas hasn't bought into the Vikes yet, but nope. you know what? It's going to be a every week in the NFL is a challenge, and this will be another challenge but with our coaching staff, and if we can figure out that hole that Hicks is going to feel, our secondary is playing good. Uh, you know, uh, Daniel Hunter's playing at a, a level that, you know, defensive MVP possibility. Yes, so right. we have a lot of good things going. We just have to have to keep moving forward and just really cut down on all turnovers and mistakes, and we're going to be in every game. Give me a prediction for Sunday. You think they'll win in Denver? I do think they're going to win. I think, you know, you're looking at something like a, a 27-23 victory for the Vikes. Yeah, that would be terrific. So the Wild head off to Sweden, and they carry with them some baggage. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to start to get the seat on for Dean Evason at least a little warm, if not a hot seat yet, because they just are not playing good defensively. They're not getting great goaltending. Uh, Kaprizov is kind of struggling. Uh, Michael Russo, who covers the Wild for The Athletic, uh, he tweeted uh, during the game the other night that that must be the thousandth turnover uh, for Kirill Kaprizov. They need their best player to play like their best player. So he didn't feel like Kaprizov is having a great year either. But maybe a long road trip like this is just what they need. Some team bonding, getting away together, figuring out what's going wrong and fix it. Yeah, and then the special teams. I mean, yeah. we gave up eight goals to yeah. Dallas, and seven of them were spe- – you had five power play goals and two shorthanded goals. Completely unacceptable at a squirt level, let yeah. alone the NHL level. So um, we do have to sure that up. I'm not positive that Everson's got to go. I do think we just need to really, you know, tighten up the defense and, and the goaltending. You can blame it on goaltending, but it's sure a lot easier to play well – when you have a, a solid defense in front of you. But, yeah, goaltenders giving up eight goals, you can't do that. Kaprizov, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Brett Favre because when Brett Favre was throwing 30 touchdowns, he was throwing 16 interceptions. Mm-hmm. If you are able to have point production, you're probably not going to be the most responsible defensive guy on the team, but he's turning the puck over at an alarming level, making yeah. plays that just aren't smart plays. So we need him to continue and uh, to you know, grow offensively because he's a bona fide superstar that hasn't quite performed at that level this year, but he needs to sure it up on the defensive end because these turnovers of his, they're not just leading to, oh, the puck's going the other way. They're leading to you know, breakaways, to two-on-ones, to three-on-twos. And in, in the uh, NHL, you give up the odd man rushes too often. Th- these are the best offensive players in the world. They're going to score. I, I worry a little bit about uh, Kaprizov. Uh, being distracted. I mean, how could the Russian players not be somewhat distracted by what's going on in their home country? I mean, he goes home to Russia in the off season. It's not like he's moved to the U.S. and hasn't been back to to Russia in years. He goes back in the off season. So obviously, he he knows people. I'm sure that are involved in the conflict. I worry that he's just a little distracted, probably. And how could he not be? Yeah, and you know that's 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 one of the things when you're 
a lot of these players in Europe, you know, in Russia, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, these countries that are, you know, dealing with war conflicts, dealing with social conflicts. And you just wonder, you know, does he feel, uh, you know, how, how do you feel when you're here and you, you know that people are, are, you know, against all of these other things happening in the world? And, and are you part of Russia? Do they look at you like a Russian who's part of, you know, just all the complexity of being from Russia over here right now with everything going on, I'm sure it doesn't help. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the rink has got to be his safe haven. It's yeah. got to be his happy place. And so we just really need him to tighten up on some of those turnovers that are leading to odd man rushes and just do what he does offensively because we've all seen that he can do it. Yeah. Uh, Timberwolves win last night. Uh, so Alan Horton tweeted during the game last night, he said, it's the first time in NBA history that three guys were ejected from a game before a single point had been scored. So that all right. came over from Sunday when there was a lot of trash talking between the teams led by Draymond Green, as it almost always is. And then he gets ejected for choking Rudy Gobert. It was a mess at the start of last night's game. I, I, and it looked like the Wolves were kind of thrown off a little bit. But in the end, they gutted it out. They played uh, well at the end and, and win at Golden State. Seven straight wins. The Wolves are looking pretty good. They are looking good. I watched the whole fourth quarter last night, yep. and uh, you know, Towns not my favorite guy, yep. but kind of fitting in the offense. I did think it was amusing when they showed his highlights. All but one bucket after he made it, he turned to the ref begging for a foul. I still <laughs> wish that would quit, but last <laughs> yes. night he was pretty good. You know, Ant is so athletic, and then to have this grizzled veteran like Conley, when you know, what biggest possession of the game, Ant drives to the lane. Everybody collapses on him. He kicks it out to Conley on the left wing and buries the three to put us up by four with like eight seconds left. Yeah, Just a huge veteran leadership, and he's very cool, calm, and collective. He's not too high. He's not too low. So right now, um, you know, the pieces are there. Uh, they're really coming together. Um, what we're wondering with the Bear towns experiment, you know, the last couple games has looked really good. So um, they are fun to watch right now, yeah. and you, know, you hope that can continue. But in the NBA, you never know because you get on a seven-game heater and all of a sudden you can drop four pretty quick because you got a lot of good teams in the league. So yeah. um, they have been good to watch this year. Yeah, eight and two so far uh, for the Timberwolves. So it doesn't. I don't. The, uh, Sonny Gray uh, for the Twins rejected the uh, qualifying offer. There wasn't one player in baseball that accepted the qualifying offer. They all rejected it. I think it was twenty point eight million for one year. So I looked up his number on SpotTrack. What they expect him to get. Well, that's about the number over three years. So if the Twins could sign Sonny Gray for three years and $60 million, I, I might do that. I would, too. We've shown some uh, promise to score runs, and, and we've harped on it for the last three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, pitching is, is where it's at, and we put together some good pitching this year. We got our first, you know, postseason series victory in, you know, forever. And so, you know, obviously he was a great piece of that, and I would like to see him sign it. It's just a matter of are they going to pony it up? Yeah. Does he see a chance of winning a World Series somewhere else better? I don't know. I don't know what is in his mind, but if he's going to be in that 20 to $23 million range, mm-hmm. you know, and the Twins can sign him, boy, he'd be a, a welcomed addition yeah. for the next couple of years. That being said, Jim Suan, when I talk to him each day, and I've asked him about Sonny Gray on a few occasions, he's hearing from his sources that the Twins won't re-sign Sonny Gray, that they might make a trade for somebody, kind of like they did with Pablo Lopez, but that they probably aren't going to be that active in the free agent pitcher market. So uh, we'll see. I take him back. Uh, Jim is telling me that's probably not going to happen, but until he signs with someone, uh, there's always a chance. Sean, safe travels. Enjoy your time in Florida. All right. Thanks, Todd.
Sean Bolson here on the Tide and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at kwlm, 1340 a.m. and 96.3 FM.